You've tuned in to Harmony Bible Radio, a chronological journey through the life and ministry of Jesus and his disciples, helping us become disciples who make disciples. Today on Harmony Bible Radio, your hosts and teachers, Greg Troxell and Father Robbie, will continue our study through the Harmony of the Gospels. This broadcast and all our study resources will help you better understand the Scriptures, the good news of God's grace, and equip you to fulfill your calling in ministry. You can learn more at harmonybible.coop and even download this week's study. Now, let's get started with today's broadcast. Here we are with another episode of Harmony Bible Radio. This is Greg Troxtell. I'm calling in from Orlando, Florida, and with me on the phone is my friend and co-host, Father Rob Eaton. Hey, Greg, and I'm here at Tulare, California, and that's a three-hours difference, and technology allows us to have this conversation in sync. All right. Thank goodness for Google Maps or whatever other map <laughs> solution, because where is Tulare? <laughs> Tulare is in the middle of the San Joaquin Valley, uh, the eastern side of uh, of the the Great uh, Valley, the southern end of what's known as the, um, the Central Valley area. So we're about right in between Fresno and Bakersfield. All right, and we are Great. we've just come out of a cooling time for three or four days where it was only in the 90s, and now we're coming back up into a, a heat spell. And uh, today we're going back over the 100 mark and should last for uh, several days, if not longer. But we're grateful that we weren't uh, in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago when it was 1,215 or whatever it was, somewhere there. It was like that. My daughter at that time was traveling. She went through Phoenix and then on to the Grand Canyon and uh, and then up uh, Yellowstone and uh, doing some adventure tourism stuff. And so it was like, Dad, it's really amazing. You can drive a day and get radically different weather. So, yep, it sure, <laughs> it sure is. America is a vast, it's incredible. vast territory. Speaking of vast territories, we have uh, Jesus on the move again today, our, our study of the Harmony of the Gospels. Today, this is uh, week 89. Uh, we're in section 102, A and B. Uh, that may not mean much to a lot of folks if you don't through the Harmony of the Gospels by Thomas Gundry or use our online resource that uh, parallels that uh, sequencing of numbers, sections and such. Uh, different from Thomas and Gundry, we call this section 5C, phase 5C. And in phase 5C, we really, this is week one of phase 5C, and that is the commissioning of the 70 or of the 72. So at the beginning of phase 5B, we had the commissioning of the 12. And uh, that really marked that piece. Here's the next big piece. And uh, there's some logical reasons for the phases and all that sort of thing, which is pretty self-explanatory, I think, as we start jumping into this. Well, this is uh, a part of the the Gospels as we come that the church is uh, today is is really trying to figure out for themselves and struggle with, and that is uh, the ability for each of its members to be on mission and ministry. And not that this is a, a new thing, but uh, because of the mainline uh, churches uh, looking at trying to figure out how to keep the people they have and, and to and to evangelize and be on mission properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of information here that can be used from from the Gospels as Jesus does this uh, commissioning 
and not just um, not just of the twelve, as you said, as the apostles, but a a multi a multi commissioning in this phase. So that's, that's right. part of what we're looking at here uh, for discussion in the groups and the, the the larger and wider context for the church itself as a whole. Right. Well, and as we read uh, this section, 102a and b, uh, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 16, and then verses 17 to 24. So simple, no parallels this week, and actually for several weeks come, uh, about the next eight weeks or so. Uh, you can see that outline in our in our Harmony Bible Index uh, online, and that will give you kind of a week-by-week uh, what you should read and study, uh, just bite-sized pieces as we go through. Uh, so today, you can open up your Harmony of the Gospel, read the stuff online, or open up your Bibles and go from that direction, or do all three. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, what we need to do, would, Rob, would you begin with a prayer? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving to us the record of your mighty works, your love for each of us and all of creation, and your desire to draw us into relationship with you through Jesus Christ pray that not only will be drawn by your Holy Spirit more and more into you to live with you and in you and abide with you as disciples, but also as disciples, carry this message to the world and uh, that the whole world will hear of the good news of Jesus and be drawn to him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Well, we have um, these two sections, and I suppose... Uh, just to keep the flow of it, we might as well just read right through uh, from the beginning of chapter 10 through to the end of section 102. What do you think? Yes. Okay. Why don't you go ahead so, and begin, and you take the first section, I'll take the second. How's that? There we go, then. So this is the W.E.B., is that correct? That's right, which, okay. which is the World English Bible. Luke 10, verses 1 through 16 would be my part. Now, after these things, the Lord also appointed 70 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every city and place where he was about to come. Then he said to them, The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, that he may send out laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no purse, nor wallet, nor sandals. Greet no one on the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in that same house, eating and drinking the things they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Don't go from house to house. Into whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat the things that are set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them God's kingdom has come near to you. But into whatever city you enter and they don't receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust from your city that clings to us, we wipe it off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that God's kingdom has come near to you. I tell you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Solomon than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which were done in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. You, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, we brought down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. All right, section 102b, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. 
The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan having fallen like light from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing in any way will hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in that the spirits are subject, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for so it was well-pleasing. Turning to the disciples, he said, All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and he to whomever Son desire reveal him. Turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see the things you see and didn't see them, and to hear things which you hear and didn't hear. The end of our reading for today. Lots yep. to chew on. And uh, as, again, we spoke about at the beginning, the beginning of Phase 5C. Right. So um, just to quickly well, outline that, um, Phase 5B focused largely on the apostles and their activity with Jesus and ministry out among the people. Phase 5C begins see the activity of the additional, of the other disciples, of more disciples, and again, Jesus' activity throughout the region. We have a geographical shift that's going on here, yep. um, where we're out of the Galilean countryside, down to the Judean countryside at this time, and uh, just for reference sake, Phase 5C is going to end in, as we're going through this, in about March 2017. Uh, this is this is July. So uh, that just kind of gives you a speed at which we're going to be progressing, folks. And that, that, you know, that's, it's again, bite size, week by week with a small group as you're studying, as you're discipling folks together. Uh, no need to rush the Word of God. There's plenty to go along. And the whole study, <laughs> as you know, is three and a half years. Um, that's going to bring us into Phase 5 Phase 5B is really Holy Week and the Ascension. So that's that's the conclusion of our study, which is going to then go on for a number of months after that. So um, we won't we we have that Holy Week mini series. Uh, now we're going to be doing in Phase 5D. We get there in March. Uh, then we're going to bring that expanded through Holy Week. Right. Okay. So if we um, just kind of recall, we um, have moved here from uh, the last major event of Jesus was, uh, which led into uh, more uh, of the interaction between him and the Pharisees, he and the Pharisees, was the healing of the blind man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there was this immense examination uh, by quite a few people of the man and of Jesus and the Pharisees. And then the Pharisees basically uh, excommunicate the, uh, the blind man. <laughs> Right. Uh, and uh, Jesus' identification uh, with him uh, is, is called into question. Then Jesus goes into the, the Good Shepherd uh, metaphor, and, uh, there's, and, and he leaves that whole situation uh, with uh, a great division between uh, the Jews and the Pharisees uh, as well about who Jesus is in all that. And um, so, but, but now, now we've turned uh, in this. After that, we've turned back to the going into all the towns strategy, and mm-hmm. Jesus is uh, now commissioning these <clears throat> these uh, seventy 
which um, yes, in, in uh, there's there's a question about whether it's seventy or seventy two. Um, if we can, you know, get past that or set that aside for the, for the moment, what we have is uh, this um, pre pre evangelism uh, team that mm-hmm. goes in, and their job is to is to not just soften everybody up for Jesus coming in, but right. to actually do work uh, in that town of uh, of, of uh, healing, and that's um, that is in fact what they've been called to do. In those towns, right, because uh, if we turn back, thanks for that Reese uh, review, again, through the chronology that we're using in the Harmony of the Gospel, um, you went from John into this passage with Luke. If we go back a little while earlier, you might remember that uh, Jesus had left the Galilean area. Mm-hmm. When we went into section 96A was when he went into Jerusalem at the temple, and much of uh, the sections from that time, 96 until 102a, are in Jerusalem and in that area. And right. so, um, you know, in and around the temple in Jerusalem, uh, it's, that, it's that Feast of uh, Tabernacles. And so just to refresh people's minds, that's where we've been in the chronology of things. And uh, yet now he is saying, we've got to go beyond Jerusalem. We have to go out into these other towns that are all around us throughout the region of Judea and, and start and he's, he's going beyond the 12 apostles and uh, and beyond them just going in his shadow and his footsteps and watching to going on to tell all of those. Things. I think one calculation was that um, uh, using, using chronology of things, there are 25 to 30 or so miracles attested to in the gospel that had happened by this time. Um, I mean, recorded to, recorded in the Gospels. That doesn't mean that's all the miracles that had happened, uh, because we have a number of towns in which uh, Jesus healed all, right? So then right. That's, that's the that's the record, right? So he healed all. He healed all that came to him. And uh, and the other ones were very specific, like the one you mentioned with the blind sort of thing. So now these these people, let's get to those. Let's get to who who those these are. <laughs> Who those these them are, right? And uh, yeah. and they're called to go out and give, which is going to include testimony about the miracles, because what we're talking about is the Messiah is here, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is right at hand. Right. Okay. So let's go right back to the beginning of this. After these things, after those things we've just talked about, the Lord Jesus appointed 70 others, or as read in the NIV and some other versions, 72. Um, do you want to get into that real quick, of the why? why, the, uh, the, why the why of the 72. Um, I think we're, we're looking at a, a basic strategy of expansion of the mission. And uh, after Jesus has been working with uh, the apostles for a little while, not too long, because we, as you as you made clear, we're here at Luke chapter ten, um, and and so we, and even though we're coming into a, quickly into the end of the the phase chronologically of Jesus's mission and ministry, uh, it really hasn't been that long, but still there is now the a, a faster pace. It would seem uh, there is uh, more haste, as uh, as one commentator. Uh, made uh, mention of in that uh, for 
getting into the towns and getting the message out even more so. So if that's what you're talking about, looking at, you know, why the 70 or 72 at this point, I know that uh, some of the early church fathers also spent some time talking about numerology with the 70 and 72, trying to figure out what that particular uh, number system might have meant for Jesus. Right. Um, then seven being a holy number and, and so forth and the, and so forth. But um, apart from that, um, I think uh, the the big picture here is making use of those disciples who have been following Jesus in some way. Jesus appoints them, and they go, and that's their that's their calling mm-hmm. to go and to uh, get the message out there and to um, in, you know be involved in people's lives by living with them, and uh, and then to uh, heal the sick and tell them God's kingdom has come near. Okay. As we go through the chronology, um, we're we're now in this uh, now in this for almost uh, what is that, Rob? Two years, now, yeah. Right in our in our weekly study, and as we, if you were to hold up the book um, at a visual standpoint, we're just about at the halfway point of of the gospel text. Okay, so uh, remember that the volume of text goes on in Holy Week and on is immense. So that's a lot, um, but. You know, visual-wise, that might help people also. Um, in all of that, there's been a lot happened in his life and ministry experience of the apostle. The, the number of followers grown. So we know uh, in some accounts uh, we have 500 or so people that are following us. There's thousands in other places, right? With feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, and that's just counting men, right? Uh, so we have large volumes. In our reading today, it says the Lord appointed 70 others. Now, it didn't say uh, he recruited all the remaining people who were gathered and put them to work for the sake of the gospel. He appointed, he selected, he elected, he chose, and gave authority and and gave instruction. I think it's the easiest way to interpret that for modern hearers today, appointed mission 70 others right. out of the group that was there uh, that's how that's how i read it and how most most other folks read it is that how you're reading it as well rob yep absolutely we're looking okay. at um we are looking at a uh an initiative by jesus uh and 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 appointing people specifically for this work to be done out of out of the group of people that would be his followers out of the group. Okay, so if I'm a new uh, pastor walking church and I see that our church has a hundred people, let's use some numbers, and twenty of them using regular numbers are active and involved, making things happen, and eighty of them are not doing much, right? Uh, <laughs> right. If I, if I want to use, you know, that that principle of thing, you know, the eighty right. twenty. Um, he didn't say to the balance of the eighty, get yourselves out of the pew. I'm commissioning you right now. You're now supposed to do something. <laughs> right. Uh, that that doesn't appear to me a strategy. He he looks out over the eight. He's got the twenty or the twelve, and the ratios are off. And uh, and with that, he appoints another seventy. You've got what it takes, or maybe you've got what it needs. Right? In order, you've got enough need for me to commission you go out and do. What, well, what do you think right. made him choose these seventy? These 70. right. Uh, that is, if that's the question uh, for these particular. Ones and if we look at the model of Jesus appointing the twelve, he spent uh, as as at least one of the gospels says all night in prayer, uh, spending time talking with God the Father, and then the next day 
he uh, appoints uh, the ones who were uh, the twelve, and uh, and of course, even of then we don't have any sense of them the twelve going to the Jesus Seminary for three years, you know, to to live in community with each other and to take certain classes and uh, and then be ordained at the end of that time. We're talking about whatever it was up to that point with that body of people. And God the Father's impression made to Jesus about who those, that there should be 12, and these are the ones. So if we take the same model and we look back, um, we don't see Jesus uh, prior to this moment uh, spending the same kind of intentional moment in prayer. However, the gospel story doesn't say that, right. Exactly. And But what we do have, we go back to the uh, the previous chapter in Luke, um, before we get to chapter 10 here in, in section 102a, and what we see is Jesus talking about servant discipleship, uh, the mm-hmm. test of greatness, where we look at um, re- where he's actually rebuking um, James and John, part of the 12, you know, for, for going beyond what servanthood looks like. Uh, those are the kinds of Moments that would otherwise say to us in our culture that Jesus was a little, would be a little reticent, a little um, not quick to lay hands on anybody else if this is what's coming out of the first 12, and now he's going to go ahead with the 70. But but uh, at, at the least, um, he said in chapter 9, verse 57, as, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And of course, what comes you know back from that um, no one, after putting his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, after this, the Lord appoints 70 others. So you get the impression that, that Jesus, to me, you get the impression that Jesus has had his eye on the body of people who are following him, the ones who have followed the Lord to be, uh, you know, with a, a stone for a pillow and and so forth. And he's had an eye on those who have shown either in in the deportment of themselves or in some way that they also are are acting in ways that show servanthood and and that's about what we have right now to for f- leading up to this and so there's this this observation i believe of Jesus of the people who are following him it's not the situation of the leader who doesn't give a a, a care about the the people who are following as long as he's got somebody uh, and so looking forward to what's ahead of him that he's not paying attention to the needs or the concerns of those who are following. And as a good manager uh, and director, he is um, observing uh, the abilities and maybe the attitudes. Uh, and um, and certainly, as I'm as I was alluding to there from chapter nine, the servant mentality of, of these people who are following him. And so from yeah. there, he appoints, uh, I believe, the 70 and then sends them out two by two from there. So I'm the, if you're using the same kind of model, he doesn't seem to have the all night in prayer uh, kind of thing. But he certainly, I think, at this point, after walking and talking and listening and preaching and teaching, has got some sense of, um, of who he would appoint if he was going to appoint someone. So here he goes. So... You know, I, I have some opinions about that as we get into the church application today, um, and we can we can talk about that now or later on. But um, and some of that is explained out without prescribing it in the uh, ministry discernment mm-hmm. uh, tool that's there. Right. 
Yeah. Um, I, I really think it's important as as ministry leaders today that we do keep an eye out, as you said, Jesus was doing for those that are there, uh, giving appropriate opportunity in ministry and in opportunities for growth. Um, I don't believe in a strategy of throw them in and and let help you know see if they drown or uh, thrive. Uh, I think that's damaging or potentially to the individual as well as to church. And yet there's another lesson in this where uh, this very reading today where the authority and the allegiance and the name written in the book of, of, of heaven is more important to rejoice in that than in all that they were able to accomplish. So um, these things are balanced and there's a spiritual lesson in that too. Those that are are eager to get done and do things, get things done and do things in order to merit, to gain merit or favor with people, or power with people. Uh, there's danger in that, right? And um, and we're going to, I guess I'm moving ahead too fast there, but uh, in this crowd of people seeing something there, and yet still we have this lesson that comes on later, which um, is fine. It doesn't mean that Jesus misjudged. It just means that people are human. We, yes. we, we do what we do. Um, I think it's important that we, as as ministry leaders, are really taking a look at folks and helping them and finding appropriate ways for them to engage in ministry using their vocation and their gift strengths accordingly. Yes, uh, I think that that's we we, we seem to have this. Uh, hmm, my my thinking here is that we we seem to have this um, proportionate time frame for how much time we think it's going to take in ministry. Uh, with how long we need to provide the ministry for. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and so if, you, if you're looking at these people here and, um, and trying to figure out, uh, we, we can figure out chronologically how much time any one of these 70 might have spent with Jesus before being sent out. But what we don't have in here is how long they actually were out there doing that work before they all came back to Jesus and gave the reports about what took place. Um, and so at, at some at one point, we're talking about go do what I'm telling you to do and to do it with some uh, passion and with a sense of uh, verve, and um, and perhaps a sense of immediacy, mm-hmm. um, but then what what is Jesus doing while these seventy are out there? Uh, what are the twelve doing while the seventy are out there? How does Luke seem to be able to go from one point of this to the next without being able to give us some kind of time frame that's happening that might be helpful to us as we look at what the uh, the needs might be for ministry? Are we talking? You know, the only thing we have in current vocabulary is the difference between long-term mission and short-term mission, and uh, we we can define those by short-term mission being anything from you know two or three days to a couple of weeks, maybe a month at the most, but. Uh, you know, youth groups and and uh, medical teams and so forth taking off for a couple of weeks is about the most that those can be done with and and uh, w- within most people's time frame. The long term mission means that you've made a an absolute commitment to being of a, a more permanent part of a mission uh, uh, activity or goal mm-hmm. or objective, whether that's mm-hmm. foreign or domestic. Um, so, what do you think here? Is there is part of this discussion about 
about who these are and what kind of time frame they have and the immediacy of it or the qualifications of it and so forth. Um, do we have a do we have a sense of how long this this work of Jesus took and the seventy? We we I don't see an indication here in in text as to how long either they were gone uh, or how long these people had been with us. I mean, other than, you know, were they part of the 4,000? Then we've got months that have gone by. Right. You know, did they follow him? We don't know. Are these new people there in Jerusalem with them? Uh, could be, right? So out of all of that, we have we have a lot of a lot of questions left. Of course, in Harmony Bible, one of the, the whole emphasis is disciple, um, disciple, so that folks make disciples, right? right? And and in that, I do believe that there needs to be a strategy place. We we need to be intentional about helping people prepare them and minister. So um, I, without uh, you know, proof texting and saying, hey, this is this is where that is, and without getting jumping into that area, um, there are some clear pathways, and I think these are important things for us to look at and find uh, ways rather than stand setting up standard things. You mentioned three years of seminary, you know, and saying, hey, that's that's required. It clearly, wasn't for them. Uh, Jesus hadn't been even you know on the scene for three years as we you know in ministry, and yet we've got the twelve apostles already chosen and uh, and the seventy now commissioned, right? Uh, so. Right. Uh, you know, we have in in this midst, they they had not had that time. I think a, a, another key error or important piece to to pay attention to in in our in our intelligible or intentional effort at making disciples who make disciples is that it's there's a balancing act between what I perceive as the leader and what you desire or what or your sense of readiness, your mm. sense of condition as as the follower. Right. I, I was reminded as I was thinking about this um this study today about that 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 popular song, at least in some Anglican fiscal circle of uh, I the Lord of Sky, right? That that one. Um here am I Lord, here I am Lord, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and that chorus, uh, which which reads, uh, "Here, I, here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart." I know this song is not specifically about this, and yet I was thinking about the eighty twenty rule in that church and and the revisionist version of this. There they are, Lord. It is them, Lord. They have heard you calling in the night. They will go, Lord, if you lead them. They will hold. Your people in your heart. Um, you know there there is a there is a. <laughs> you've never heard that revision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, send, you know, <laughs> send them, know. Lord. <laughs> send them, Lord. Yeah. Um, you know there is a um, an apprehension that happened in the heart and the, of the believer. There is um, also a, an eagerness, a readiness to serve without yet being ready, right? What do we know that we know until we've gone and, right? Um, are you sure you know how to give testimony before you've given your testimony, mm-hmm. right? What is that testimony? What is, right. you know, can, you know, until you've, you, you might be able to alliterate on it in a class, uh, you know, in, in your prayer closet, you know, as you walk in the streets on your way to the street corner. But until you've met that person and listened to them and resonated, sensed what it is that they're, going through right now, my experience is that gospel message that you share is going to be radically different from one person to another. I mean, the gospel remains the gospel. The good news is the good news. And yet our deliver of that is going to be radically different. Well, we can do that, you know, culturally in the context of culture. It's 
it's it's easy uh, in my mind to lose track of the simplicity of the mission by the use of uh, by not use of it by Jesus uh, talking about what you do when you go into a person's house and mm-hmm. and even that the the radicalness of a certain a certain cultural hospitality that would even suggest that you could go into someone's house is uh, f- for a lot of our ears these days very difficult uh, to imagine and and so once that's happened plus the things that you don't take and leave behind and so forth uh, it I think it's very it's very common for people to get so stuck in those details that they fail to understand the calling that happens at the moment. So what do you do? You know, when you are told, I need you to go do this. I want you to go do this. And this is what you're going to do. And when you, when you hear that message, there's, it's very simple. You are to go in, you are to heal those who need healed, and you are to tell them the good, the good news is, is at hand. Uh, there's not much more than that. So there's not much more. No, no. If you can do that, and and even though I say there's not much more than that, at the heart of of that is an experience and awareness, the observation and the faith that goes along with being people who have seen Jesus and the apostles do things in faith, the healings. The proclamation, the preaching, the following that comes from other people hearing that message, the miracles that take place, and and so these seventy go out to do this work because Jesus said, "Now go to these villages and go do this." And they're not going into those towns asking the question, "Well, what is the good news?" or "How do you pray for someone to be healed?" or "What does that look like?" They've seen it; they know it. They have some of those basics down. I'm I'm remembering a book. The other thing that, that crossed my mind was the the 1975 book. I had to look up where, when it was, but it's it was called What's Gone Wrong with the Harvest. I don't know if you, re- <laughs> I don't know if you remember that book. Oh my god! What's gosh. Wrong with the Harvest? It was by uh, James Angle, oh and um, it created what's called the Angle Metric or uh, Matrix, right? In which um, in that scenario, there's a there's a scale uh, that he's an element that allows us to think of, um, you know, have we sent people out before they're ready? What what needs to happen before time? And and in the in that angle metrics, uh, it starts. It it sounds like a demerit system. It starts out <laughs> with a negative eight, uh, which is uh, that there's an awareness of a supreme but no effective knowledge of the gospel. Right. Right. No like that right right, right. then it goes to a negative seven there's an initial awareness of the gospel then the negative six an awareness of the fundamentals of the gospel negative five a grasp of the implication of the gospel negative four positive attitude toward the gospel negative three personal problem recognition with the gospel number two a decision to act number one or negative one repentance and faith in christ then we go through that transition piece in the angle model, which is the regeneration, new creation. I'm a believer, right? That's not the monkey uh, version. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's this one here, uh, though I do like that song. 
uh, positive one says there's a positive decision evaluation, right? Number two, positive side, incorporation into the body. Number three, conceptual and behavioral growth. Number four, communion with God. Five, stewardship and reproduction, internally uh, internalizing and, and manifesting gift, uh, the your ministry, external wit and social action as the sale grows. So um, in that angle model, there's, there's another way to think of it. Uh, we don't use that in the ministries, but uh, resource that we have here on Harmony Bible, but it's 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 another version, another way to say what is it that people need, and and how do we get going forward? And sometimes just laying that roadmap out in front of people is right. immensely helpful for people. We absolutely people sit in the pews, and because they feel unprepared, ill prepared, they they often choose not to. Right? They keep their hand down and say, "Send them, Lord." Right? They will hear your voice. They'll take care of the people. Don't don't choose me. Right, they they do the revisionist version of that song because right. there's an apprehension to what they know they don't know, and and in the midst of that, if we will help, them, hey, here's here's a path that I've found is helpful. Can you can you use can you make you? And they say, oh, yeah, I I see that I could mm-hmm. make I could mm-hmm. do. And now maybe in three months even they're ready because they've they've taken action. Now, this is like uh, today I was speaking with somebody and a friend of theirs is struggling with use of antidepressants. And uh, they've got some issues uh, in their life that, that happened. It's a young lady. happened just, just a few years. And, uh, but the issues are undealt with. And the medication is, has repercussions that's, that's destructive for life as much as helpful in dealing with the, the, uh, the struggles that she's feeling, right, with, with the decisions that she made earlier on. And so, you know, my opinion is th- those medications are great. They're a great Band-Aid, but you got to do the mind work and soul work sure. of healing and then get off those medications, right? They're, they're, they're a wonderful, great intermediate resource. Then deal with the gospel. So when we right. talk healing today, uh, you know, as, as getting back to our text here, whether, whether you want to use the doctor's method of healing, right, combined with the gospel, or whether you want to use a miraculous Holy Spirit power healing, I, I'm okay with either one. Just get it done. Right. Make sure people see the transformative power of God at work in their lives. Right. And these and, and these seventy had seen yeah. the transformative power of God through Jesus. So they had done that kind of observation, which you are you know making making point of once again, and and even even more specifically, uh, the ability to bring hands-on healing, so that there was immediate change to the better for wholeness in people who were of physical need. And and also, uh, I think we can make the case uh, for mental and emotional need, as well as mm-hmm. spiritual need in people by Jesus, uh, his words and, the, and his laying on of hands uh, and his statements of faith, go, be well, that type of thing. So let me um, ask, uh, from, a, from a qualification standpoint, applying this, do you think all of these people had the gift of healing? Allow uh, them to go out and go and do that. No, and I'll I'll, I'll let my my theological uh, um, norms come into play here. I would say uh, that we we aren't even really talking about the kind of spiritual gifts that Pentecost is going to uh, right. see bring upon un- us until right. Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. However, what we are looking here as the impartation of authority that Jesus, well, that God uh, would give uh, to any of the prophets 
as we see them in the Old Testament, and and then in some in a few cases, the impartation of that spirit as the Old Testament would, would identify it to someone else by those people. So, for instance, uh, two two of them come to mind: Moses imparting authority to um, not not only to a group of leaders uh, so that they can assist him in being wise counsel uh, for the people of Israel at the uh, suggestion of Jethro, his Mm father-in-law, and Moses imparting the authority and that spirit upon Joshua as Joshua now will lead the people of Israel across the Jordan River and into the, the Promised Land. So there's Moses, and then, uh, for instance, Elijah and Elisha, the imparting of one to the other by mantle. Uh, so we have this this power being imparted by an individual to someone else. Jesus is doing the same thing. He gives them authority to go and do these things. And in that is... I'm not sure. I, I I just not sure that I would call it gifting yet, but the authority to carry out that work um, right. because Jesus has given it to them. He's laid it on them, so to speak. He right. has imparted it to them, and so this pre-Pentecost and 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 yet, I guess I would stress on the other side, the same thing happens post-Pentecost. Yes, I, that yes, absolutely has been given to us. It is not innate in the person. It is something that has been gifted to that individual. For, right. for the express purpose of what God wants to do in and through that person. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Absolutely. I just see that there's something tangible, palpable yes. about Jesus himself standing there saying, I'm now giving you authority to go do this. Now go do it. And so the person turns around and goes do, and does it. And, and that's because Jesus has said, you go do this, and so they do. Now, right. I, I think here in this, there's not only the sense, as you, you asked about healing, maybe the gifting of healing, and I guess the, the short answer would be yes. Uh, yes, there is gifts of healing being imparted to these people to go do this work. But there's another thing that he's given to them, is that we don't want to run that over without, uh, leave it behind without bringing it to the fore, and that is the ability to say to people, the kingdom of God is at hand, and, mm-hmm. and to have a response from people uh, that, uh, that grabs their attention in a spiritual, powerful way, uh, just as Jesus would say to um, some of those early disciples, come, follow me, and they put down their fishing poles, so to speak, and follow him. Well, so I think and, the that other, there's... and the other authority that was given, as I think you've made mention of earlier, is that authority over demons, that they're subject. Uh, yes, to correct. And yes. this raises, you know, two, at three, if you will, uh, pivotal element that may be crippling the church. What went wrong with the harvest? Uh, let's think about this. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, let's, get back, let's get back to the angle book here. And by the way, way it's too bad that that was an Anglican book, you know, <laughs> Anglican book, but angle, yeah. I forgot all about that book. I'm glad you brought it up today. Uh Go ahead. You know, back to your three you, things there. What 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 what's gone wrong? Do you are are you relying? Have you felt imbued with the power, the authority over demons, right? right. Over over that demonic realm of what's happening? Do you, do you sense that spiritual attentiveness and that sword of the spirit? You know all of that Ephesians passage, right? To, to work at work inside of you. Do you understand the gospel and sword of the spirit in order to use the word of God rightly? to divide and conquer and you know the shield of faith goes right back there folks i think that's that's a that's a great way next do you really get the gospel right in the breastplate of righteousness do you under 
that that it is Christ's righteousness right? that that is that is in us, imbued into us, imparted onto us, right? Not our own self-righteous in the midst, of, and that's going to make a big difference. Because what happens when we go out there in ministry? What happens? We get we get you know darts thrown at us, arrows thrown at us. People say you're a hypocrite, right? Who are you to preach and give me good news? Look at your life. In our pre-show thing, I was saying, you know, my, if, if something's, you know, garnering in my in my testimony, it's the amount of failures I've had in my life <laughs> at age 50, right? I mean, who are you to preach? And yet in the midst of that, in the midst of it's my faith. It's God's grace that's amazing. And that I can keep giving testimony to. Right? That's the excitement piece. And so, you know, that, that, that final piece there is, okay, are you able to do that? Do you believe in those miracles happening as, as you go through that? Do you believe in, in God's desire to redeem, to reconcile? And, and if we could say, what's gone wrong with the harvest? If you ask those yourself this question, you're going to get real quick to a remedy that you need. Yeah, I agree. That that's, those are very good questions. And those questions are very good for small groups to take up, uh, especially if uh, you've been able, to, as a small group leader, to develop some trust uh, so that's a safe place and people can begin to talk about failures and successes in that. Although if you have a new convert, it's, it's going to be difficult to have them talk about the failures and successes of the Christian ministry, but still uh, they should at this point be able to talk about grace in their life and where Christ has brought them from with the hope that they don't become that person again uh, through God's grace. So it's, there's always plenty of room to do that. Um, I was going to, I was going to go back to the, you brought up the demons and so forth there. And I think, you know, one of the things, if you look back in the text for today, you find that Jesus didn't say, and, uh, you know, and tell the demons to go away. I I think it's part of the impartation of the healing and the proclamation of the kingdom and the demons will show themselves. And that's what seems to happen with Jesus over and over is that the demons just kind of show up when healing is taking place and when the impartation of the kingdom of God is being administered and the good news is being claimed. And and that ought to be, I think, one of those questions or part of one of those questions that you raised. Uh, is this happening in your life? Are you seeing these things? And one of those could be, and I realize this is kind of getting on the limb with maybe with a lot of people, but it could be, do you see demons fleeing because you are proclaiming the gospel and and praying for people to be healed? Is that a part of what's happening? And uh, part of our culture set would say, well, there aren't any demons around for that to happen. <laughs> yep. Uh, and and yet in other parts of the world, that's exactly what happens when demons uh, begin to show up because you are stepping into territory. So there might be a first world, third world thing going on there. But but in the meantime, um, is is this a standard of, or I should say, a tool of measurement? Is that worthy of conversation in a group to talk about the tool of measurement of how many demons have fleed? <laughs> uh, I don't like to have count you, them up, but... Have um, you, or even have you ever felt in your prayer, in your praise and worship, darkness regress? Right, I think right? you can do that. That, that awareness of light emanating. In in the midst of praise, in the prayer, and and as the light emanates, as it as it envelops the people there in the church, in in your prayer closet. The, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Move, right? I think it's a good place to start in that discussion. I just I wouldn't want to leave it there. I want to go into talking about the 
the objectiveness of darkness. What does it, what does it really look like? Because the just talking about darkness can be very subjective in the sense, well, I've, I have been through a dark period of my life, and, and that doesn't mean demons necessarily. Correct. So, Correct. But, uh, yeah. But as that introductory, from getting from the point of there are no demons, um, I like to use that that first part there that says, "Okay, have you experienced this?" Oh, yeah, experienced right. That. Yeah. Okay. No, I, yeah, I'm with you. More experience in my experience of what demons look like and how that works. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. You know, yeah. they're real, folks. So, um, you know, Jesus says it. Apostle said it. Uh, it's it's there. So, if we go from uh, from 102a to 102b, what we have is the need to be able to to say. What happened when you did ministry, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 you've got that built into your questions. Uh, when have you, and what did it look like? And so I, I like that a lot. Uh, as people have the opportunity then to talk about what ministry looks like, what it could look like, even, and um, and what what has happened in your name, and certainly. Um, we 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 can't de-objectify too much, or I shouldn't say de-objectify. Maybe to use an old term, we can't mythologize, demythologize uh, the the gospels too far without losing a sense of what it meant to actually be uh, that agent of God's light in a dark world. You can you can hear their excitement when they come back. I mean, and and okay, you know, I've heard preachers that criticize that they didn't talk about the miracles, right? They they jumped right to the most profound thing, I think, right. in in human thinking, right? right? We saw demons that were subject to, you know, right. that that's, you know, Holy cow! Even that happened, you know. <laughs> right. And and you can hear the excitement as they burst through the door. It's like the kid that comes back, you know, after a day of school, and you know, opens up the door and right, right, rattles off, right, of all the amazing things that happened that day or wherever they were, you know, like Disneyland. Right? <laughs> but uh, you know, in 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 the midst of that, here they burst in, and 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 Jesus uses that opportunity. We need to make that opportunity as well with Blinman to to to. Um, the post post meeting review, right? The post ministry. What what happened? Tell me about it, right? It's just it's just an open conversation. It's it, let's please not go to reports and all of that sort of thing. Uh, it's the conversation. It's the relational element. And hey, folks, let me tell you something too. Right. That might not have been the best thing. Uh, <laughs> I remember talking. Speaking of demons, I remember talking to a, somebody who called me up from California. Oh, probably I don't know six months ago, and said, "Ah, oh, you know." dealing with this demon and so we decided to just get the person in the car we drive up to the mountain where there was there we've known other people to be delivered there and we drove them up to the mountain and it's out on this place and the two of us went out there and we started praying with them and you would we felt god's presence and the demon presented himself and this the story this the conversation and i just interrupted him i said okay by the way, next time, don't get in a car with a person possessed and drive <laughs> up to the top of the mountain in the dark at midnight. That's probably not the best route to go, okay? Now, that, now that's experience talking. Congratulations, you survived, you know? Let's celebrate that. Okay, congratulations, did submit to you, and that's great. But let's not reproduce that model, right? Let's <laughs> let's not do that again, okay, folks? Um, that was a real conversation. I'm telling you, it's got truth. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Okay, demons. 
Uh, so we go from there, and Jesus, Jesus, uh, in the same hour, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, so happy. Right? He's really happy. What's happened? This strategy of the seven to seventy-two worked. It did just what he wanted, right? To reach out. He spent all this time up in northern, northern part of Israel, right, up in the Galilean region, right. You know, major time, other than trips down to the temple for a festival, right. Yep. And in between, as he's traveling, the the majority of that time is up in northern Galilee. Yep, and right. he's he's got all kinds of people he, and the seventy two on a on a rather quick scale. It's exciting. It's exciting Very to see exciting. multiplication happen. Yeah. And so he says, uh, in that same hour, Jesus joiced in the Holy Spirit, said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden things from the from the wise and the understanding, revealed it revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for so it was well pleasing. Um and so okay. That, that's great to see. I I like seeing that excitement in that reduce. Yes, absolutely. That's that's human uh, and eternal bliss. Even from a from a from a heavenly standpoint, from his divine nature, eternal bliss that goes on of, of delight. Well, as we come to the as we come to, I where are we? The uh, <clears throat> how much time do we have left to be able to we're talk at, about we're, this? We're nearing the end of our hour, five minutes or so. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, if people want to take a look, we haven't, we haven't put it into the uh, the notes, but uh, in the, the Orthodox Church does a very good job uh, of, of identifying the 70 apostles uh, or the 70, the holy 70 apostles as they might be in the Greek. It comes out a little bit different, uh, but there are lists of who those 70 or 72 be based on various uh, people from early parts of the church and historically. And so it's very interesting to read through those lists and just see the the star-studded names that are in that list. And it makes one uh, see, I think in, in one way, uh, the, the possibility of identifying who those disciples were who came after Jesus ascended, uh, commanded to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit uh, to to come upon them, and and who became um, and and the body from which came much of of the recognized early leadership of the church as it's expanding. It's it's very very interesting to go through uh, what the Orthodox Church has done from the Eastern side of our of our faith, and uh, and kept and kept that as a historical focus, of course. You know, after 2,000 years, it's difficult, you know, sometimes to be able to identify uh, correct uh, sources and so forth. But still, uh, this this is a very ancient listing of who those uh, 70. So if you go to even just Wikipedia and look up 70 apostles or the Holy 70 apostles or go to one of the Orthodox Church's uh, Russian, Eastern, American Orthodox Church websites, and you'll find uh, by just by doing a, a quick search, you'll find 70 apostles. Uh, by the way, the traditional day for a commemoration of those is January 4th. Okay. Um, well, I'll be sure to make sure that gets into our notes here. Good. Thank you. Then and, the other thing um, was just that recognition of this second phase, not phase, I'm sorry, the second part of our study today as, as so much of the senses brought to bear. Yes. See, hearing, touching, and and um, and how influential uh, Plato's thinking is and has been into higher criticism of the 19th century into um, debilitating those very same things because of a sense, as Plato would play out, uh, 
in his uh, philosophical teaching is how unreliable the senses are. But for us, as we look back at the scripture and we see Jesus says, or Jesus saw, or the apostles saw, heard, or whatever, it really removes so much of the understood as how we all relate to our observance of Jesus too, and is a faith debilitating thing to take all that stuff out. And it also eventually takes out some of our ability to rely upon the scripture themselves to be the word of God and, and how we hear it. So there's another thing for a group to be talking about, about um, about what what you observe and um, how you know philosophical systems from way back when can affect our theology and our thinking culturally. Even today. I, I think that's that's certainly true, and you know even even in that very thing, uh, we we come to the in the close of this reading today, we hear about Corazon and and the the cursed towns, and you know it'd be harder harder for you than it was for them, right? Yeah. Um, and some of that, I, I think, is related to uh, a group of Jewish uh, Judean people not from the north, mm-hmm. which looked down upon those those towns up there, you know, those ones that were uh, unfaithful and uh, integrated with the Assyrian and the, and the Grecan uh, Hellenistic way, right? Yes. And so those mindsets, uh, I find this again and again with uh, who are... Uh, impotent in their faith, right? Whose faith is not vibrant and not making a change in their life because so much of their mindset is still worldly. Their their views and their values of things are not based off of off of the God story. And so they are rendered, you know, they're bound, they're bound by that framework of thinking. It's the same thing that you're talking about. Yes, I, I think so. At the same time as uh, as as that, Jesus also says at the very end of this uh, to these uh, seventy, uh, "You've seen things that uh, kings and many prophets desired to see but didn't, and uh, to hear things which you hear and didn't hear them." Uh, so, if there was even a further emphasis on the observation, the experience of what's just taken place, as Jesus gives to these seventy, of course, we'll we will. We would be hearing more about this if we were to take the, the Gospels into the book of Acts uh, down the road. But still, um, Jesus makes it very clear that this, this is exactly what it's supposed to look like. And so many before you have not seen. Uh, so that, that should, ought to be able to give to us a little bit of uh, impetus to want to see the same things because uh, our Christian faith tells us that we can. Yes, yes. And... And folks, you who believe, you who have had work in your life, you have been blessed because you have something that many people in this that that transformative experience is what people all around you are yearning for. And so I want to give you one last bit of encouragement to get out there and go 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 be that minister. Go 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 make this. Rob, let's close with a prayer, can we? Yep. Heavenly Father, thank you for this study, for the exciting turn uh, from Phase 5 to Phase 5. So let this be for us a re-energizing moment as we see the life and ministry of Jesus' apostles, disciples, transform the world, transform each one of their lives, the people that they know. Help us, Lord, to do the same, and in the midst of that, keep us ever mind your grace and your too far for you. Hear me pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Harmony Bible Radio, a weekly broadcast that helps you become a disciple who makes disciples. 
To help you lead a small group in your church or community, we've shared and recorded this broadcast, the text, study notes, and other media on our website, harmonybible.coop. Each week, we continue our journey through the Harmony of the Gospels and share all our weekly resources free. You can even download the study guide for use with your small group. This ministry is funded by the training sessions at churches like your own. To learn more about our training, please call us at one 855 Bible 24 or visit us online at harmonybible.coop.